Orleans. I've eaten a crazy amount of cheese today. Like a really weird amount of cheese. Like cheese that would... I learned recently through a documentary that our body was not... Our bodies did not evolve to be able to digest milk after infancy until about the 13th century or so. And if I were around in like the 12th century, I'd be dead right now. Unbelievable amount of cheese in New Orleans. Uh, I am Fred Katz. I cover the Wizards for The Athletic, and I eat a lot of cheese. I'm with Scott Kushner from the New Orleans Advocate. Hello. And we're, we're, we're wrapping up this Wizards loss, where they look like they ate a lot of cheese, too. The <laughs> uh, Wizards lost 125-104. Uh, Drew Holiday was awesome for New Orleans, had 29 at 14 in the first quarter. Anthony Davis was awesome for New Orleans, had 28 and 15. Uh, Julius Randle was awesome for New Orleans at 23 and 12. I'm sensing a theme here. Bradley Beal off night, even though it's 16, 5 and 11, but off night, better in the second half, off night. John Wall off night as well, really not there defensively, even by his standards. Uh, Marquise Morris had a nice shooting night off the bench. Kelly Oubre had a nice shooting night in the starting lineup at 22 playing at home. The Wizards like just did not bring it at all. And the Pelicans killed them. It was uh, quite a lackluster effort from Washington. I was disappointed, honestly, because I watched that Rockets game. And I was like, okay, like these are the Wizards kind of playing at their potential. It's going to be an interesting test. You're going to see a decent game. You're going to like see this team get pushed. And instead, you kind of saw nothing. And it wasn't, I feel like New Orleans would play well, certainly, but it wasn't, they didn't play perfectly. And to win by the way they won and as easily as it was. Uh, I think does show that Washington had some major problems tonight. And I don't know exactly what the problems were, but there were a lot of open lanes. <laughs> there were a lot of missed open threes. There were a lot of just basic, fundamental things that, that went wrong. And uh, and I don't know who exactly you blame or credit in a game like that, but it certainly was not close, and it certainly uh, looked like it was uh, cheese-filled. <laughs> cheese-filled. Uh, cheese-filled is a good way. <laughs> To describe that game, you know, when you write, you're not supposed to. Yeah, you're not supposed to use first person. But I, I, I feel like if I were, I'm not doing game story after this one. But if I were, I feel like my lead would be like, I ate a lot of cheese today. The Wizards look like they did too. After the game, like they're they're talking about Scott Brooks mentions it. Uh, Bradley Beal mentions it. Like the effort wasn't there. They didn't need to mention it for us to know it. Uh, Bradley Beal called it them reverting to old habits because the effort has been better. The previous four games. They lost in Toronto. They got killed in Toronto. But, like, that wasn't an effort thing. And that's in Toronto. Right. It's in Toronto. Like, they, they, they lost on the road against the best team in the league. Yeah. Whatever. Fine. Toronto's just a lot better than them. Yeah. We knew that. Uh, that Houston game, they played hard. Mm-hmm. They got down, but they played hard in that game. They played with heart. Uh, they, they looked like they cared. It was an unbelievable game. Yeah. It was, it was a fun an, game to watch. It was an it amazing was a legitimately game. fun game to watch. And, I haven't watched Wizards much, but from everything I've heard, they have not been a lot of fun to watch this no. year. But I watched the second half and overtime of that game, and I was like, oh, well, this is interesting when they come here and all this stuff. And they usually, they almost always beat New Orleans. Like, for whatever reason, the Wizards have kind of beaten Anthony Davis, like, every time. So, yeah, you can sense it. I mean, the two numbers that pop out to me, I think it was 29-8 to 8 in fast break, and I think it was very similar to that in second chance. And to win those two categories, those are two, in my opinion, hustle categories 
and New Orleans played like a team that was desperate to win after losing four straight, and the Wizards played like a team that didn't really care if they lost. And once they got down early in the game, it felt like that was kind of it. Second chance points. Pelicans had 28. The Wizards had 9. Yeah. Fast break points. Pelicans had 26. Wizards had 8. Points in the paint. Pelicans had 62. Wizards had 38. Case in point. Yeah. <laughs> then Matt Locke. Let's, let's end this and get some cheese. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was, uh, it was, I mean, New Orleans was probably a better team, but they're not that much better. And they just, they control the uh, the glass on both ends. Uh, the amount of just second chance points that Anthony Davis had alone um, just made it look easy. And when Drew Holiday is going, I mean, here's, here's how you know that it was a bad night for the Wizards. What we're all writing about tonight is Tim Frazier. Yeah. And what Tim Frazier made. revenge game. Tim Frazier revenge game. He admitted it would it did matter to him, and he did. Think Tim Frazier was... finished with what? Twelve points, twelve assists. He sliced them, killed them. Like he just sliced them up. Yeah. And look, and, and look nothing against Tim Frazier. <laughs> good. You know you're about to say something nice. Good. <laughs> no, good for that dude for sticking in the league. He's clearly got a work ethic. He clearly cares. Yeah. He does not have a talent of a guy who should be getting potential starting opportunities on decent NBA teams, yeah. and yet he keeps freaking doing it, yeah. and that's a testament to him. Yeah. And here comes the big all caps. But, but. <laughs> <laughs> John Wall had a lot to do yeah. with that twelve point twelve assist night. Yeah. John Wall has had some defensive troubles all season, and they continued into tonight. Uh, just effort, not rotating. He's particularly, I mean, there was one possession I was talking about earlier where he's particularly bad after offensive rebounds, where he just doesn't uh, go match up after offensive rebounds. He often sticks around the paint. And then all of a sudden, like these are NBA teams. It's essentially like giving a team a five on four. Yeah. They're going to find an open shot. And often, even though they only have 14 seconds to do so, they do. And they do it with a lot of time left on the shot clock. And that happened tonight. It's, I think, one of the reasons why it's not the reason they had all 28 second chance points, but it's the reason why they had some of them. Uh, he was dying on screens. This was not his game. And, yeah, he had 17, 5, and 7, which on the whole is, like, not bad in 25 minutes. Drew Holiday, first-team all-defense. Drew yeah. Holiday is a phenomenal defensive player. Yeah. But you look at this and, like, Tim Frazier was killing him. Holiday was killing him. Uh, Beal was guarding Holiday for the most part. Yeah. Beal was okay defensively in the second half. Uh, Beal will show some fight defensively, but just uh, Wall just – he just wasn't having it. And, like, they sliced up Thomas Bryant in the 10 minutes that he was in there. Or what is it, 14 minutes he was in there. They sliced him up and pick and roll. He, he looked like he struggled against Anthony Davis. I wonder. They play the Sixers next. And I don't know what they're going to do against Joel Embiid. Not much. Not much good. I mean, that at least from what we saw tonight. I don't know. You know, I kept looking at this game. And this has been so interesting because I guess since everything with the Wizards broke out a couple – was that a week ago, two weeks ago, when everything is about blowing up and whatever it might be, and I kind of, you know, naturally as a beat reporter of a team that is definitely trying to make a trade to get better right now, I'm naturally going, all right, well, what pieces could they use and what can they, whatever, and I'm looking at John Wall tonight going like, you know, in a lot of ways that fits and in a lot of ways it makes absolutely no sense to trade 
for that guy for $40 million. You know, and it's like I know that he would fit in so many ways because they do need a point guard next to Drew Holiday and Anthony. Like, how good could that group be playing as hard as they do? But then you watch John Wall play a night like tonight, and you're like, that's that might not work. Like that, you know, even if you're willing to pay the tax and all those kinds of things that we don't talk about, it just might not work. And so I was kind of thinking it the whole time, and then I watched this night and felt different. Like, do you feel like a trade between New Orleans and the Wizards? Could could work in any way? Is there any if they are trying to blow it up? I guess is the question. Would I mean, I guess three? it could. I don't want to say absolutely one hundred percent can't, but like if I'm New Orleans, yeah, I'm not committing to that. Yeah, like I'm just I'm just not going to commit to that money uh, if I'm if I'm New Orleans and like even if I'm giving up, you know, minimal stuff. You know, even if I'm giving up. Solomon Hill and some other salary filler, and yeah, and a pick. It's just tough to commit to that unless you know that it makes a difference. Like it moves the needle for Anthony Davis. If you know which it moves the needle, it, which is why they'll make a short term move. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, a, a a person who works in the league once said to me, which was like the most succinct way I've heard anybody say this in 2018. The price of having one superstar is having multiple superstars. Yeah. And, like, it's so well said. It is very well said. This person should be a writer and not (laughs) working for a team. It was so well said. Uh, It's true. You can't just have one superstar. If you have one superstar, you are in the very near future going to have zero superstars for the way this works. You have to cluster stars. And, yeah, I mean, if, if, if... if Anthony Davis thinks that John Wall counts as clustering stars, mm-hmm. then sure, yeah, then, then that's something. But you have to know that that's how he feels. Uh, personally, I think Drew Holiday is better player than John Wall. And I think that's been the biggest revelation of the last year. The only reason that you would say, okay, Anthony Davis might sign that Supermax extension is because of how good Drew Holiday has been over the last year. And I don't think anybody expected that. I've watched Drew Holiday for five years. I never thought he would be that guy next to AD that you were like, okay, that's the star. That's why they went and got to Marcus Cousins, because they didn't think they had that star next to him. And it turned out it was Drew Holiday all along. It was kind of a weird situation, but now you probably need one more guy. Like, you, this team can't go in the playoffs the way it is and expect to do anything that's more than winning the first round. And winning the first round probably isn't enough to keep Davis here, so... None of your Wizards fans on this podcast <laughs> care at all about this. No, but this is what I face every single start. day. Here's the thing. Anyone who's ever seen a rom-com knows that Drew Holiday was the star all along. <laughs> He's clearly the overlooked friend who's been in the life forever. And I keep coming back and it's like, uh, AD's trying to get one star. Why is he with Boogie? That's a terrible fit. It doesn't work personality-wise. It doesn't work on the court. Why is he doing that? This doesn't make sense. Everyone who's watching knows this isn't this isn't it. This isn't the long term. They think it's the long term. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, things get bad. Drew Holiday's there for him. That friend in the corner. And it's like, wow, look at this. He's not just in the corner. He's also above the break. <laughs> and then you look at Drew Holiday, and it's like, man, 20 and 9. He starts making all defense teams. Yeah. Ekes his way maybe this year onto like 13 All-NBA with the way he's playing. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, AD's going to resign. We're all going to be like, it was Drew Holiday all along. <laughs> all along. All along. And they do. They have similar personalities. They respect each other. 
Uh, those kinds of things matter. But I still think in order to get him to stay, you need another star. And one of those stars is certain, just, or just another piece, period. They basically have two guys on this team who you can rely on on a night-to-night basis. To go get someone like Otto Porter, Bradley Beal, John Wall are three very obvious names that totally fit what the Pelicans need. And so it's such a natural trade partner, considering you hear over and over again, the only things I read out of D.C. is, blow it up. And so it's like, well, that seems like a pretty natural trade partner of a team that's trying to get rid of really good players in exchange for future assets. So that's Otto Porter of makes sense here, too. Like, they need wings. Tons. It makes perfect sense. They need wings. Otto Porter makes sense a lot of places. It's just the money. Wow. From a basketball perspective, Otto Porter makes sense a lot of places. He makes sense in Portland. He makes sense in D.C. Yeah. He makes sense next to two ball-dominant guards. Yes. Because he guards and he doesn't care about his shots. And he shoots threes at an excellent rate. And, like, he makes sense against all that. Otto Porter, by the way, again, did not get many minutes. Now, granted, those guys sat the fourth quarter. But Otto Porter, again, Scott Brooks didn't really rely on him. They got away from getting him shots. And he had been aggressive early in a number of the past few games. And this time, just... Not there, two for seven, uh, just kind of an inc- another inconsistent Porter game from a production and from a minute standpoint. Um, I wonder, I really wonder, especially after tonight, what is going to happen when they play Philly. Oh. Philly's playing well right now. Yeah. They're winning close games. Their, their, their record doesn't really match up. With their yeah, with their well, I was going to say with their net rating, they've actually been Worse, now. Yeah. Granted, well, this Jimmy Butler pre exactly, as well. but on the season their net rating is it's even, it's zero, and they're Crazy. fourteen and eight. Well, it was coming into today. They won by twenty today, so it's not it's not that anymore. But I just wonder, man, is like what's Embiid going to do against them? Because Anthony Davis, I mean Anthony Davis, I guess was really just Anthony Davis tonight. He has twenty eight and fifteen. A completely but they, average night for him. Completely average night. That's true. It, that's just it basically like most he got night. like a couple extra rebounds. Yeah, that was it. Uh, but just down low, what he does and beyond just the line yeah. is they have to throw so much attention at him yeah. that now New Orleans is feasting on rebounds. New Orleans had where was this? It's crazy. Sixty-four rebounds compared to thirty-eight. And I'm not a fan of reading off overall rebounds because it's not actually a good measure because you got all the missed shots. But this is a large enough disparity in which you can say, I don't have the rebound rates in front of me. 17 offensive rebounds. Yeah, I mean, it's a large enough rate to where we can be like, all right. Difference to where we can be like, okay, they got out rebound. They got their asses kicked on the boards. And part of it is because they have to send guys at AD. And then all of a sudden, Julius Randle is feasting. Or, or like, you know, you got... Other guys like you know, Tim Frazier has got two offensive rebounds tonight. You got Solomon Hill feasting. Like what is it? Eight guys had offensive rebounds for for the Pels tonight. Four guys had multiple ones. Like they are killing on the boards because so much attention is going to AD. Yeah. And I, man, like if Thomas Bryant struggles, and this isn't on Thomas Bryant. Like Thomas Bryant played hard, and he's as good as he's going to be uh, right now. He's twenty one years old. Yeah. This is the first time in his life he's getting legitimate playing time in the NBA. And he's been pretty good. This has been his worst game. But this is tough for him. Anthony Davis is tough for everybody. And Embiid is tough for everybody. I wonder how they're going to do it because the bench lineup, are they going to go back to Mahimi? I mean, the the bench lineup, they've been using Markeith Morris. They've been using Jeff Green at center. And on the whole, they've been okay with that. The lineup with Wall, Beal, Porter, Morris, Jeff Green has been really good. Really good. Uh but, like, 
It's gonna be, it's gonna be weird. Maybe what you do with Embiid is you just go totally the other way, and you just like, cause, cause you can kind of at least neutralize him a little bit as a defender. If you, it's not like you can't defend the perimeter because he can, but you can at least take away some of his effects. So maybe you just go super small and you just see what happens. Travels, you know. Yeah, <laughs> but like I don't know. Then he'll probably just destroy you inside. So I don't, I don't know. He's a tough matchup. He's a tough matchup for AD. I mean, that's how big he is. Is like the, the the only two guys in this league that give AD trouble are Gobert and and B. And he can't match up because they're so long and they can move inside and outside. So I don't know who you match up with. Honestly, just watching this Wizards team, I don't. I have no idea how you match up with him. Not that he's you know going to drop sixty or something, but it's going to be a tough matchup. I, I just look at I, I look at that. I, I just. Marvel and looking at this roster and the names of this roster for the Wizards and see eight and thirteen next to them and I cannot figure it out. What's what's crazy is if you go through and you look at the defense, they're twenty ninth in defense. That's nuts. And you go through like Bradley Beal's not a bad defender. Otto Porter is a very good defender. Yeah. Beal when he's going right is an above average defender. Uh and he's a little inconsistent, but I would say considering his offensive load, he's pretty good. Uh, Austin Rivers, pretty good defensive player. Sadoransky, pretty good defensive player. Kelly Oubre, capable defensively. Jeff Green, totally inconsistent and is sometimes terrible. But when he's going well, he's he's fine. Uh, They're not. They shouldn't be twenty. They shouldn't be top ten. They should not be top no, ten in defense. But they should not be second to last yeah. in the NBA in defense. Who's behind them? Phoenix. Uh, Cleveland. Cleveland. Oh. But Phoenix, I think, is twenty-eight. Okay. Uh, but they should not be 29. And the reason they're 29 is the same reason that, like, Utah is so good defensively yeah. or that Memphis is so good defensively. Yeah. It's because they don't have what those teams have, which is they don't play on a string. Yeah. They don't have cohesion. One guy dies on a screen, and it's just over. Yeah. It's done. How many moments were there tonight when – and they're not always like this. They have these stretches where – they get a little better. Like at the start of the second half tonight, yeah. they start to play actually hard. How many times tonight did you see just – there was this one pick and roll that Jeff Green and Austin Rivers guarded <laughs> where and those Tim, Fraser, Tim Fraser just went around the screen <laughs> and he got by Rivers. I think Rivers got hung up on the screen and Jeff Green just did not take him at all. Yeah. And I don't know if Rivers didn't communicate – or if Jeff Green was just like confused, or if one of them, or they, they, they both didn't look like they were going hard. Yeah. And, and after it, Jeff Green just looks at Rivers and throws up his hands, like, what the hell? And it's like, <laughs> what? I don't even know if he was yelling at Austin Rivers for messing up when he also messed up. Yeah. I think he might have just been as confused as to how in the world that could happen as we were. Yeah. And it, it was just like, it's just crazy to watch. It's nuts. You just again, I just look at the guys and I'm like, this is a good team. Like this should be a good team. I don't understand why they're eight and thirteen. Now there's a very long season to go, and I also look at the Pelicans' starting lineup at least and say, how on earth is this team eleven and eleven? So you know, it's the same deal. Uh, but I mean, is this Wizards team you think is the goal still the same? Like, from when they started the season? Do you think that's changed? Do you think they just want to make the playoffs at this point? Do you think it's realistic to just make the playoffs? I do think it's realistic to make the playoffs. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's the East. Yeah. If it were West, I, I wouldn't. Sure. But 
what's what do you have to win to make the playoffs in the East? Forty, maybe less. Who do you, who's the contenders at the bottom of the East? Right players? now, Orlando, Orlando is eight right Charlotte? now. Yeah, Orlando is eight right now. Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah, like, yeah, it's 39, 39, 38. Like, yeah. that's, it is legitimately yeah. possible 38 gets you the eight seed. Now, is that enough to not blow it up? I mean, from my perspective, no. Yeah. Uh, from, from their perspective, also, like, Look, if you're if you're trading John Wall right now, yeah, I actually understand not wanting to trade Wall. Yeah, I know everybody says like just trade John Wall. It's not really how negotiations work. Like you don't. That's not how. You don't. For, you don't just trade a dude at his absolute lowest value. Now, now if you believe mm. that he's not actually at his lowest value. And that, that contract kicks in next year and he gets super maxed and he continues to deteriorate, then I you know, it makes more sense. But if you all if you believe, as I think people in the organization do, not every single person, but there are people in the organization who believes like this is John Wall at his worst. And he comes back, he starts playing like he did two years ago, then all of a sudden you know, you have a, a guy who people want. Now, if you trade John Wall, you're not getting anything for him. His value around the league, you know, I, I talk to people around the league, what can you get for John Wall? Yeah. And you start running through, and it's like maybe if Robert Sarver's desperate, yeah. you get yeah. Phoenix to, like, make a play for him. People are throwing out stuff where it's like you're not getting anything for John Wall. And, like, why would you trade Bradley Beal? He's on a reasonable contract, and he's got years left, and he's very good. Yeah. Like, What's the point of just you're not just going to give away Bradley Beal, yeah. and teams have called them about Bradley Beal, yeah. but you don't want to just give him away. He's really good. Uh, Otto Porter, you know, similar thing. Otto Porter is a a good to really good player. I don't think he's ever going to be an all star, but he's on a big contract. Not going to get a ton. Like it's hard to it's hard to convince yourself to trade guys, especially when you have the possibility of making it into a, you know a playoff spot with the way this organization operates. It's it's tough to convince yourself to trade someone when everyone's at their lowest possible value. So I actually do understand if you believe they're at their lowest value now. If they continue to plummet, maybe they're not actually at their lowest value. And I'm, I think that's a reasonable comeback to that point. But I do think not wanting to just give away a guy is more reasonable than people make it out to be. It's not totally and completely irrational. Like... They're a little bit stuck. They're just kind of stuck. Yeah. I'm glad I'm not the one paying the tax bill. That's all I can say. Yeah. Because, please. I mean, I guess that would be the real, the one real driving, motivated, right. whatever. They can't is. get out of the tax bill anyway without giving away for some well, pick. They can lessen it. Right. They could lessen it a little bit. But, like, in ter- getting out of it completely would take basically giving away a. Only Sacramento has space. Yeah. So you basically have to give away a player to Sacramento. Yeah. And since Sacramento is the only team that has space. They are going to use that space to negotiate into like, or they could yeah. use that space to negotiate into being like, all right, you want to take on this one-year deal for ten million dollars because we have eleven million dollars of space. Awesome, give us a first-round pick. Yeah, and they have twenty-nine teams yeah. that they can do that with because they're the only team in the league with space, and nobody else has space, so they're not going to be able to give away a contract to anybody else. No. So, I don't know. It's it's tough. Like, is it worth? 
lessening a tax bill barely if it's severely yeah. injures the team and gets you out of the playoffs. And it kills your revenue numbers. You exactly. know, I mean, again, I'm not pretending to be an NBA here, but I imagine that is the one driving factor. I know it would be here. Let me put it that way: that if they were in tax and they were also a team that wasn't going to, they didn't feel they were going anywhere to a high level, that they would be so desperate to dump guys that it would be, you know, rats just fleeing off the ship. I mean, so different situation in D.C., different ownership, different revenue. Everything's different. So, um, but I could just see it with when guys are saying, hey, this is a problem. This crap's been going on for six years or whatever it is. I don't know how overplayed any of that was, but you hear that, you look at the tax bill, you look at the record, everything looks like a trade, but everything you just said also, it makes a lot of sense. So it is a more, much more difficult decision than I think I ever put into it. Um, I just think, hey, it's a bad team looking to trade. <laughs> maybe they want to. Maybe they want to just dump guys. So we'll see what ends up happening. I do think, in a lot of ways, they're natural trade partners. Assuming that the Wizards want to look longer term, because the Pelicans are willing to give up that first round pick um, for nothing. I mean, they just they want to get a guy right now uh, to help them. So. I think the Wizards would be interested in that. Plug your stuff before we go. The New Orleans the worst URL in the country. <laughs> uh, or just the advocate.com works as well if you want to read the Baton Rouge edition. Um, and uh, Twitter at Scott D. Kushner. I have a really fun story on uh, Tim Frazier coming up tomorrow. Great. Look out for that. Uh, you can go on and check. My story on The Athletic from today, if you want. It still works, I think, unless he somehow took a shot when I didn't see. Uh, about how Austin Rivers has not taken a mid-range shot all year. Because love that guy. You got to dig. Yeah, you covered Austin. I love Austin. He's the best. <laughs> I'm so jealous. I'm so insanely jealous that you get to cover Austin. Got Austin's good to have on a bad team. He'll give you quotes for stuff. So He's great. You got to... Uh, got to keep digging for weird stories. I'm going to have something out. Next story will probably be out on Friday. I think I'm going to do another and other Wizards thoughts type of deal. And I'll have some stuff on. I've been getting some quotes on the possibility of the Wizards taking, like having Beal and Porter take threes from 27 feet as opposed to 23 and get some more spread to the offense because uh, I think that would be an interesting wrinkle for them to add more consistently. And I'll have some other stuff in there on Jeff Green at center and all that jazz. So look out for that, I guess, probably probably Friday morning. Now I have to write it. I said this. Now I can't bail. I got to write it. Uh, subscribe to Wizards After Dark. Give us five stars. Leave a review. Leave a nice review. Leave, like, the greatest review. Um, that's Talking it. Talking Red Sox. They're strong. Strong sock game. Socks. My, my socks? Yeah. Oh, these are these are good socks. Strong sock game, strong cheese game. Really <laughs> been strong all around. A good trip to New Orleans. I have good socks. I pride myself <laughs> on my sock game. Uh, I'll be back on Friday after the Philly game. Almost definitely with a guest. And uh, I'll talk to you guys then. Bye.